I had been putting myself in a box my whole life and that was wrong. I realized that my strengths, my skills, just like anyone's, can apply to any lane or any career. It doesn't have to be just the one you have experience in. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you create a more fulfilling career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have stepped off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and successfully make a major career pivot. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you take the brave steps needed to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to explain how she relaunched her career from being a chief revenue officer to becoming a professional speaker and author. We'll discuss how sharing your vulnerabilities actually makes you stronger and what it takes to feel more confident in your career. Afterwards, during today's Mental Fuel, I'll give you a glimpse into some of my struggles when I relocated from San Francisco to London. Today, I'm speaking with Heather Monahan, who's a best-selling author, keynote speaker with the Harry Walker Agency, brand ambassador for Perry Ellis International, entrepreneur, and founder of Boss in Heels. Having worked nearly 20 years in corporate America, Heather's been named a Glass Ceiling Award winner, one of the most influential women in radio in 2017, and a limit-breaking female founder in 2018 by Thrive Global. She's also a member of Florida International University's Advisory Council, serving as a mentor and leader in the South Florida community. Now, Heather and I first connected after she shared some commentary for one of my Forbes articles, and she was kind enough to send me her recent book, Confidence Creator, which I found to be a really interesting read about her life and how she developed confidence in her own career. So I'm really excited to have her on today's show. You can get all the show notes from this episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 49. Heather spoke with me from Miami, Florida. Well, hello, Heather, and welcome to Career Relaunch. Hi, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for making time out of your busy schedule to join me here today, Heather. I know that you've had a really busy few weeks recently, and we've got a lot to cover today because I want to talk about your former life in radio, your career transitions, your current book, and some of the career lessons you go through in your book. But I was wondering if you could just start us off by telling me what you're focused on right now in your career and your life. Sure. Since my book dropped May 22nd, I was picked up by the Harry Walker Speaker Agency, and I've been speaking somewhere different every single week. It's really been intense from New York City to I'm heading to Las Vegas in two weeks to speak to the WNBA. So that's been taking up a lot of my time. And I just finished editing the video version of my book, which will be dropping in the next couple of weeks. So it's been pretty exciting. Wow. Very cool. And I just wanted to thank you for sending me a copy of your book. I want to definitely come back to that because there's some really great points that you make. But I was wondering, Heather, if we could just go back in time, first of all, because you've had a very interesting career and I know you haven't always been an author or a professional speaker. And I was wondering if you could take us back to your time at the Beasley Broadcast Group when you used to work in radio, and then maybe we can move forward from there. Can you just tell me what you were doing there? And uh, then we can talk about some of your transitions afterwards. 14 years ago, I started um, at a publicly traded radio company as a director of sales. I saw an opportunity in the company that there was no leader for the sales organization. 
I pitched myself for that job for VP of sales. I got that job. I was in that job for a few years and I saw the opportunity for advancement. I pitched myself for executive vice president and then ultimately chief revenue officer. And I was promoted time and time again. And then July 27th of last year, 2017, I was fired. And that's really the moment where I made the decision to go out on my own and start a completely new career at 43 years old. When we spoke before, I know that one of the things that you did, which is something that's quite common for a listener on this show, Heather, is that you started to work on some side projects. Can you just give us a glimpse into what you were working on and how that was coordinated with your day job prior to you departing from that company? A couple of years before I was fired, I decided I wanted a little bit more purpose in my day-to-day life. So I tried creating a women's group within my division at the company to really unite women to support one another. And ultimately, I was shut down when the founder's daughter found out what I was doing. So her brother said to me, why don't you just do this in your own personal life so no one can shut you down? So at that time, I decided to launch my own website, heathermonahan.com, and a tribe called Boss and Heels, which is all about being a leader in your own right, whether you're a man, woman, no matter what your background. But I created a community where I could share all of the things that I didn't know when I was a young person, basically what it takes to get ahead. And I really wanted to give back and be that person and mentor for me that I didn't have when I was a younger person. So I created that community. I started writing at night and creating blog posts and social media posts on all the different platforms. And when I was challenged that it was possibly taking away from my work, my day-to-day job, I hired people to manage it for me. And then I would just evaluate it at nights and on the weekends to ensure that it was really my voice and my message that was getting out there. You mentioned that you tried to do this within your company, something similar, and that your employer also didn't react that well to you doing this on the side. Can you just share with me what that was like for you to have your current employer basically dissuading you from doing something that you were so passionate about? I mean, it ultimately it became harassing. So it, it was just a horrible time for me personally and professionally. But it was one of those moments in my life where I decided I'm so sick of being bullied and intimidated because of a paycheck and a job that I decided I'm going to stand up for myself anyways. And when I got the phone call and was told to shut it down, I said, I'm not going to shut it down. This is a positive message. This is something I'm passionate about. This has nothing to do with work. And I hear your concerns, but they are not valid. And I'm going to move forward. And I ultimately put disclaimers on everything so that people would know this wasn't the voice of my employer. This was my personal voice. And I really started building my confidence during that whole time by standing up for myself. But it definitely was not easy. And was this ultimately what got you fired or was it something else? And how did you react to being fired? This was definitely the catalyst that be, you know, this initiated the drama for me at work. When I didn't back down and do what this woman wanted, that's when things got very difficult and tumultuous. So this started me down a path that I still didn't think I'd be fired because I had been at the company so long. I had just been voted one of the most influential women in radio in 2017. I was on so many different boards and I had so many great relationships. I couldn't imagine that I'd be fired 
However, I knew she didn't like me. I knew she didn't like what I was doing, but I knew what I was doing was positive and it was within my right. So at the end of the day, she fired me saying that my position chief revenue officer was no longer needed and therefore I wasn't needed either. It is what it is and I got fired. I felt terrible. The whole meeting after 14 years lasted about three minutes and I drove home my three hour ride home crying and basically sat on my couch for 24 hours under a weighted blanket wondering what I was going to do with my life because I was under a non-compete. So I couldn't go back to my same industry for months and I really didn't know what to do. So I was really devastated. Yeah. So how do you bounce back from devastation? Because I know that it sounds like you're doing really great right now, but what I want to make sure that we talk about today is how you ended up digging yourself out of that hole and finding your way forward. Could you just walk us through what you did after those 24 hours? Luckily, I've been journaling my entire life and I recommend that to everyone because journaling allows you to look back at different moments in your life and gain strength from seeing how far you've come. So I've been divorced. I made it through the recession. I've been cheated on. I've I've been sexually harassed at work. I look back at all of these moments, these low moments in my life, and they gave me courage in that low moment that I was faced with yet again. Through all this adversity over the past 43 years, I started to learn a solid plan that can allow me to get out of trouble. And what I did 24 hours after getting fired was I created a 30-day plan, which was finite. It's not too big. It's palatable. And I crossed off the days and I wrote down specific things I wanted to accomplish each day so I could feel proud about myself. I also realized that getting rid of negative people in your life, like that person I was working for, opened up so much opportunity for positive people to start coming into my life, which wasn't happening before. And I recorded all of those things in that 30 day plan. And I started creating a vision for where I wanted to go each day. And each step that I took brought me closer. I didn't know where I was going. I just knew I was moving forward. And that brought me to the day within one week after being fired, no one knew I was fired. And I decided I'm going to take control of this. And I'm going to post on social media that I've been fired. I am devastated and I need help. And people thought I was crazy for doing that. But that ended up being the single game changer for me in those low moments and low times. I had thousands of people reach out to me, trying to help me, offering me connections, offering to put me on different shows and to help me and hire me. And that was a real catalyst for change for me that first week. That's a great lesson. I know that you and I first crossed paths when you shared that tip uh, for a Forbes article I wrote about. LinkedIn and how important it is for you to be transparent about what you're going through. So I think that that's a really great tip for people who are going through a transition to actually let people know about it. Is that how you eventually landed your gig as a brand ambassador? Or how did you become a brand ambassador, which I know is something that you you started doing late last year? No, that actually was very separate from this initiative. I had realized that, you know, when I was fired, I wanted to really align myself with a marquee brand because I knew that going out on my own, 
I was going to be a one man show. And there's not a lot of credibility at first until you start creating some success on your own. If I could partner and align myself with a successful, proven major brand, that was really going to elevate the perception of me. So I targeted a local company, which is a multi-billion dollar company, Perry Ellis International, and I was relentless in pursuing that CEO. I did not stop. And for 45 days, I pursued him every way that I could. I had come up with a great idea that was going to bring him value, and I just wanted a meeting. And eventually... After many dark nights of no response, he responded, took the meeting, and he loved my idea. We started working together. Very cool. Now, I, I want to switch gears here, and I definitely want to make sure we spend a good chunk of time talking about your book, Confidence Creator. But before I do, Heather, I just want to go back to something you said earlier, because this is something that's been on my mind, which you mentioned something about getting rid of the negative people in your life. And I'm just curious, how do you go about doing that. And I guess what's behind my question is, this is something I've been thinking about recently. Also, like if you've got people in your life who just make you feel either bad about yourself or you just don't feel very good around them. And yet they've been a part of your life for a long time. I don't know if that was your situation, but I'm just curious how you managed that. I guess what I'm going to call like a purging process of getting rid of negative people in your life. It's huge. That's the single thing I point to to for anyone that can be the greatest catalyst for change and really help you in a very quick time period. It doesn't need to be some long drawn out thing. It's a discussion first with yourself that you're deciding to remove negative people from your life. I call it firing negative people. And then it's just a simple conversation with them, which can literally be this isn't working for me right now. I don't feel great when I'm around you and I'm going to give myself some space. Thank you for understanding. And then you move on. You'll see over time that person will stop calling you, stop contacting you because you're not going to respond anymore. Now, it becomes more challenging when that person is a member of your family. And there's a lot of people that have relatives that might not lift them up. They may be trying to drag you down. And that's a, a different conversation, but still taking emotion out of it and saying, Mom, I, I love you very much. However, when you speak to me like this, I don't feel great about myself. So when we get to a point in the conversation where we're going to end up here, I'm going to have to disconnect the call and go on my way. And when you do that repeatedly, that person will learn that if they speak to you that way, you're going to be gone. And then they'll either change their ways or they're going to respect you and give you a little bit more space, which is going to help you. Yeah, very good advice there. So that's a good segue into your book, Confidence Creator, Heather, because it sounds like that act in and of itself does take some confidence. And I want to, first of all, talk about your process of writing the book and then a few of the points you make in the book, which I feel are especially relevant to career changers. And, and first of all, I got to thank, thank you for sending me a copy, Heather, because I get sent a lot of books these days and I don't always get around to reading them, but I decided to read yours because I just really appreciated how honest and simple your messages are. And uh, it's also kind of a page turner. So I was wondering if you could start by just telling me how you came up with the idea that you even wanted to write a book. When I asked for help and I put it out online, the Elvis Duran show reached out to me and said, hey, if we can help you, let us know. And I said, sure, I'd love to be on your show. They have 10 million 
listeners every day. So I went to New York, I went on their show. And by the middle of the interview, Elvis asked me, well, obviously you're writing a book, Heather, aren't you? And I wasn't sure at that point if I was or if I wasn't, but I realized in that moment, I was going to make a commitment to 10 million people that I was going to create a, a, a book. And that moment where you hold yourself accountable to other people really allows you to move forward. And I made that decision in that second. I said, yes, I am writing a book. And when I got home, I had been writing every day, but I really, you know, I mocked up a book with a fake cover. I gave myself a deadline of I wanted it done within one year. And I really fast tracked my progress. I started looking for an editor. And once you start pulling in a mentor, like an editor, someone that can help you leapfrog through the challenges that you have, because they've seen that movie before, and they know how to get you where you need to go, you really start moving quickly. So it sounds like you actually gained some leverage on yourself, which is something we talk about on this show. It's like you're making a public commitment to do something and that forces you into action, which is really interesting. What was the process like for you of writing the book? I know you mentioned you got an editor to help guide you through the steps of it, but what was the day-to-day like for you to get your thoughts down on paper? You know, I think everyone overcomplicates this. I just sat down and wrote. And really the day I started, which was earlier on, I just Googled, how do you write a book? It's about making the the time commitment. It's nothing more than that. When I started, I didn't know I was writing a book about confidence. I didn't know I was writing a book about my lowest moments. I just simply sat down each day and wrote whatever was in my mind. Within a few weeks, I started seeing that I was a pattern about challenges and overcoming challenges. And I started to realize I was writing about building confidence. Interesting. Yeah, I'd always just presumed that you had set out to write about confidence because it is such a strong theme in the book. But that's really interesting that that came to you more organically. What about the publishing process? How did you go about actually creating the physical book once you had it written? That I found to be much more challenging. Self-publishing is hard. And I looked at the potential of going the traditional publishing route. The problem is it takes months to pitch yourself and and present yourself to sell a publisher on you, which I really didn't want to wait that amount of time. And then when I found out to get in their queue, it's usually 12 to 18 months from that date that you sign with them that your book will come out. And when I heard that timeline, I said, no way, I don't have a year or a year and a half or two years to wait. I need traction and action now. So I decided to self-publish again. I Googled, how do you self-publish a book? (laughs) Uh And I just, I piecemealed it together. You know, it, the reality is if you are committed to finding ways through the obstacles and finding solutions, you'll find them. And I asked for help and I, I was relentless in my pursuit of researching who could help me design the cover, who could help me with the layout. And I ended up finding a company that had an a la carte service that really allows you to pick. If you want someone to edit your book, they have someone for a fee for that. If you want someone to design the layout, they have someone for a fee for that. And I decided to go that one-stop shop and then just pick the pieces that I needed so that I didn't have to keep running around dealing with a lot of different vendors. And through the process of writing and eventually publishing this book, I'm curious, Heather, was there something that you learned about yourself? I learned that I had been putting myself in a box my whole life, and that was wrong. I believed that my box and my lane was sales, 
It was leadership and it was business. And that's where I belonged because that's what I knew. I was so scared the day that I decided to jump out of that lane and jump into this author lane, entrepreneur lane. I was petrified. And so many times I nearly gave up and just started applying to old media companies and trying to get back to what I knew I was good at. But by getting rid of the lanes, you know, blowing up the box, I realized that my strengths, my skills, just like anyone's can apply to any lane or any career. It doesn't have to be just the one you have experience in. Now, I know you were also recently featured in Thrive Global, which is very cool. So congratulations on that. And one of the questions that they asked you was about some of the the lessons you learned or some of the things that you might do differently. I'm just wondering with relation to the book, it sounds like it's going really well. But if you could do it over, what would you do differently, if anything? I believe done is better than perfect. You can drive yourself crazy over moving the title up a quarter or centimeter or the color shift. But one thing that I would have done was I would have read through my book in completion again. There's a couple of small errors I would have tweaked. Same thing with my audiobook. I decided to narrate that on my own, which I was so scared of, but it's really meaningful now when people hear it because it's me and my emotion coming through the stories, which is really powerful. However, there are a couple of errors in the audiobook as well, but I was so fixated on getting the book to market that I said, you know what, done is better than perfect. And I'm, I've got to pull the ripcord and go. And I've had a a couple people reach out to me and say, did you know there's an error in the audiobook?" And I said, well, actually there's two. So go back and listen again and try to find it. <laughs> That's a great segue, Heather, into the last thing that I was hoping to talk with you about before we wrap up with some of the work you're doing right now for the Harry Walker Agency, which is this point you made about done is better than perfect. In your book, in chapter 10, you you say something around not feeling like you have to have everything be perfect. And this is something that I continue to work on myself. How do you go about letting go of perfection? Well, perfection doesn't exist for no one. There is no such thing as perfect. And the more I've come to the realization that people that try to pretend they're perfect are the most insecure people out there. And my whole goal is to be the most confident me I can be. So that means shining my flaws, really shining a light on everything that could potentially be wrong allows me to be my strongest self, my most confident self. So I really step into that as a power and that makes me feel strong and phenomenal versus when I wanted to try to make everything perfect, I never felt so good. I felt badly. I couldn't achieve perfect. It just didn't exist. It was elusive to me. So for me, letting go of that idea of perfection and instead embracing that perfect means that's the low moment, the insecure moment where you're trying to hide what's underneath. When I remind myself of that, I allow myself to shine that light on on my mistakes and my imperfections, which draws people closer to me because that's the real me. Another thing that you say in the book is that we all need people who pick us up when we're down. But sometimes it's a job we can do ourselves. And for those listeners out there who struggle to do this, what's worked well for you when it comes to trying to pick yourself back up without having to rely on other people to do this for you? 
I leave reminders for myself everywhere. I write about this in the book, whether it be little notes I put in my suitcase. I'm going to New York to speak tomorrow. So I'll have a, a really positive note in my suitcase tomorrow when I get there to remind myself you can do this. You're going to be phenomenal. I write notes on the bottom of my heels. I put them in my phone, in my calendar, so that if there is a potential low moment that I I wasn't prepared for, I'm going to be able to pick myself right back up in it. And I also hold on to three accomplishments that really helped me realize I was scared going into the situation. It turned out okay. Let's tap into this for the strength I need for right now, whatever I'm walking into. The other question I wanted to ask you was, uh, you were recently on headline news. You talked about finding your superpower and I'm wondering what is your superpower and how did you go about finding it? I actually have a lot of superpowers. I believe everybody does. But for me, I've really, in the past couple of years, come to grips with speaking. Public speaking is a superpower of mine. And really, that is about storytelling and feeling comfortable sharing your own stories publicly. And I learned about that through a a challenge a friend gave me when I said, I feel like I'm going through life and I don't really know what the purpose is. He said, you need to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. So I'm going to challenge you to a stand up comedy class. And I gave him every reason why I couldn't do it. I'm a single mom. I run a publicly traded company. At that time, I was. I don't have time. And he said, give yourself more excuses or find a way to do it. But I'm telling you, this is going to help you really get yourself out of your comfort zone. And it did. And taking that class allowed me to see what was different about me. Another recommendation I make to people is to ask those in your circle, peers at work, friends and family, ask them, what's different about me? What is that special, unique quality that you really think I should step into to own my best self? And then watch the amazing responses you get back from people. That in and of itself is a confidence building moment. And it will teach you that something that you thought was just normal isn't that normal. It's really special. Well, I'd love to wrap up, Heather, with what you're doing right now, uh, speaking about speaking. And I was wondering if you could tell me more about your work that you do for the Harry Walker Agency and what your life is like now as a professional speaker. I had reached out to Harry Walker speaker agency prior to writing my book. And they told me that, you know, there wasn't space for me on the team. Once my book came out, number one on Amazon business biographies, they contacted me back and said they wanted to have me. So the book was really the catalyst for me for so many different things to really take that next step. And the Harry Walker agency sets a value on their speakers. So before where I might feel fine going in to speak at a business for free, they don't allow that because they determine the value. And like anything, once you decide your value and you really own that, everybody else will own that and respect that as well. So it's really changed something that I enjoy doing that I used to do for free that now there's a value associated with it and an exchange, which makes it that much better for me. And it's such a a rewarding experience. I've been meeting a lot of new people, dealing with professional athletes in different companies I never thought I'd work with. I'm going to speak at a law firm to the partners and I don't have a background in law. So it's so interesting to see that Everyone struggles with confidence. Everyone struggles with adversity. And no matter what your arena or what you do for a living, we're all in this together and getting the chance to work with these different diverse groups and help everyone really own their confidence and embrace these challenges has been such a rewarding experience for me. 
Do you have any quick tips on how someone who is interested in doing more public speaking or uh, wants to get up in front of audiences more, do you have any tips on how you can gain more confidence as a speaker? Practice is everything. So I practice in my house in front of a mirror. I make my poor child listen to my random speeches all of the time. (laughs) Also, you know, speaking is interesting. People want you, they want to connect with you and you need to get their attention. So the first thing I suggest doing is tell a personal story. Even if your, your speech is about something boring and statistics, still open with an engaging personal message, personal story so that you get people listening to you. That's half the battle. And then throughout your speech, ask questions, open-ended questions. Has anybody else in this room struggled with confidence? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Or is this off base? Ask questions of the audience so that they're on their toes listening to you. And then you can see in their eyes what is resonating or what's not resonating. But really try to practice enough so that you don't have to read a script. Because I, I really believe that people would rather listen to you talk, share stories, and make some key points versus reading a script and looking at a slide on the wall. It's really about bringing your personality to life. And the best way you can do that is by working on your confidence, taking baby steps, and putting the time into practice. I also believe in anytime I'm nervous, I have a win, win, win playlist that I fire up right before I'm gonna go on stage and speak at anything. And I also remind myself of different times I felt nervous before I got on a stage and it actually went okay, or it went well. And I remind myself that if that one went well, this one's got just as good a chance, if not better to go great. Yeah, that's great advice there, Heather. So thanks so much for sharing that with us. And so speaking of confidence and being able to speak confidently on this topic of confidence, if people want to learn more about you or your story or your book, Confidence Creator, where can they go? So you can go to Amazon to get my book, Confidence Creator. It's a Kindle, paperback, hardcover, and audible. And if you want to learn or follow me on social media, I'm at Heather Monahan, and my website is heathermonahan.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for telling us more about your life as an author and your own career transitions, your experience as a writer, and also your book, Confidence Creator, which I would highly recommend to people out there who are interested in this topic of confidence. So best of luck with the ongoing book publicity and all of your speaking engagements. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much, Joseph. So I hope you enjoyed hearing Heather's thoughts on the power of journaling, how your past successes can be a source of strength, and why done is better than perfect. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to share a personal example of when I tapped into my past and asked for help as a way of getting me through a daunting career transition. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to thank Brand Yourself for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Brand Yourself offers simple tools and services to help control what people find when they Google you. To clean up, protect, and improve how you look online, visit brandyourself.com and use promo code RELAUNCH to get 50% off a premium membership. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. So for today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to go back to one of the things Heather said about reminding herself of her past accomplishments as a way of creating confidence when tackling a new challenge, and also what she said about the importance of being transparent with your vulnerabilities. So I'm going to try to do both here and share an example 
example of a time when I had to remind myself of my past history as a way of fueling myself during a tough transition while also giving you a behind the scenes look into one of the bigger career changes in my life. So I want to take you back to early 2010 when I made the decision to leave my life back in San Francisco behind to move to London. And if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know I made this move because I was in a long-distance relationship with my then-girlfriend, now wife, who lived in London at the time. My life in the Bay Area was pretty comfortable at the time. I loved where I lived in downtown San Francisco. I lived only a couple hours from my family, a few blocks from some really close friends, and I had a solid marketing job at a really well-known company and a great work-life balance, which gave me some time to explore a lot of my personal interests in food and cooking. So the idea of disrupting all of that was tough for me to stomach. But I really felt like I needed to make the move to London to prioritize my personal life. And I got to a place where I was fairly convinced I could pull this off, mostly because I tried to do what Heather suggested, looking back on my past experiences and reminding myself that I'd managed to pull off some big moves in the past, whether it was moving to Hawaii to find a job or landing on my feet after leaving medical school. Fast forward to the summer of 2010, and I will never forget how stressed I felt after I landed in the UK. I was really hustling to find a job. I wasn't sleeping well. I'd been making regular multi-day trips to London from Nottingham, which is where we lived after I moved here to the UK. And I was basically sleeping on couches at different friends' places in London while I was job hunting. And I'll never forget one day in particular, after a few weeks of doing this, when I was literally walking down a highway outside of London in my suit, on a really hot day because I couldn't find a cab, heading reluctantly to an interview at a company I won't mention for a brand manager role where I'd be in charge of their packaged sausage business. And not that there's anything wrong necessarily with marketing sausages, and I know that job hunting in the big scheme of things isn't that bad, and things could have been a lot worse, but that particular day just felt like such a letdown from the life I'd left behind in the Bay Area. And all of this, from couch surfing to informational interviewing to having to job hunt again after recently getting my MBA at companies I wasn't even that excited about, just kind of felt humiliating. So one of the things I'm not always good about doing is asking for help. But that summer, I did. Similar to what Heather mentioned, I told everyone I knew that I needed some help. I asked friends if I could stay with them repeatedly. I asked alumni in London I'd never met before to help give me a lay of the land in London. And I asked everyone I crossed paths with to keep me in mind if they heard of a job that matched what I was looking for. And in the end, a combination of all these things helped me land my job. It came from a contact of a contact who got my resume directly into the hands of a hiring manager at an exciting startup chocolate dessert company in London, which is where I ended up working. 
So I'm sharing this story with you because I think that sometimes you see a bit of a time lapse amongst career changers between where they were and where they are now. You see people successfully relaunch their careers, and on the one hand, that's inspiring, but on the other, it can feel a little bit demoralizing if you haven't managed to pull off a similar change yourself. The reality is that career change is hard. These changes often come about only after a lot of hard work and a lot of frustrating days when you feel like you want to quit. I've definitely been there myself, and I've found that one of the keys is trying to find a way to swallow your own pride and just ask for help when you need it. It's taken me some time to realize that asking for help is not a sign of weakness, but rather a sign of strength and confidence because honestly, everyone needs some help sometimes. This takes me to a quote from the author Ken Petty. Sometimes in life, you can fall down holes you can't climb out of by yourself. That's what friends and family are for, to help. They can't help, however, unless you let them know you're down there. So my challenge to you is to consider one area in your career where you could really use some help. And once you've identified it, to allow yourself to be vulnerable and to go out and let people know you're looking for help in this particular area. You might just get that nudge in the right direction, the introduction to someone who can make a big difference, or an idea you hadn't thought of that really helps you turn a corner. And hopefully one day after you've made the progress you want, you can return the favor to someone else who needs it. Before we go today, I just wanted to share this kind review from a listener in Vancouver, Canada. Hi, Joseph. This is Lee Lipton from Span Consulting in Vancouver, Canada, my transportation, travel and economic development consultancy launched here just last week. Hearing about the wide range of experiences from guests on your podcast gave me numerous ideas as I developed my business plan and brand. I've been inspired to pursue a wide range of opportunities and invest in building valuable connections. Thanks for helping me take Span Consulting to new heights. Well, thanks so much, Lee, for taking the time to leave this message. It sounds like you've made a big decision and moved to launch your own consultancy. And if this podcast has played a role in helping you think about different ways you could build your business, that's great to hear. And it's exactly why we share these kinds of stories. So best of luck with the new consultancy. And I hope it all goes well for you. So just going back to this topic of asking for help, I'd like to ask for your help. If you enjoyed today's episode or you enjoy this podcast, I'd love for you to leave me a positive review on Apple Podcasts at careerrelaunch.net slash 49, which really does help this show reach more people who can benefit from the stories. Better yet, I'd love for you to also leave me a voicemail of your own career change story or feedback on the show because it really helps strengthen the feeling of community amongst the listeners like you who tune in. You can also do that right there at careerrelaunch.net slash four nine, or you can also find a summary of all the points from today's conversation with Heather. Coming up next time, I'm going to be airing the 50th episode of Career Relaunch, and it's going to be a really special episode. You might remember back in May, I asked you to vote on the former guest you most wanted to hear from again, and it turns out that the person who got the most votes was Kelly Kara, our very first guest on the show way back in September 2016 when this show launched. She's the former educational researcher 
turned vegan chef and wellness educator. I'm going to check in with her to hear what she's been up to since we last spoke and how things have been going for her the past two years. There have been some ups and downs, and it turns out that she's decided to make another shift in her career, so we're going to hear all about that. Thanks so much for being part of the Career Relaunch community, and a special thanks again to Heather Monahan for sharing her story with us today. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.